This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Is right. Elmo is a big red Sesame Street character, very popular with the children. Now I have to say, I never really, I, I never thought of Elmo prior to um, a year and a half ago. Uh, I, I had been decades before I'd said the word Elmo. I think the last time that I'd given any thought to Elmo at all was during the Tickle Me Elmo uh, Christmas uh, craze when he was the go-to Christmas present years ago. But my son happens to be very fond of Elmo. And in fact, so much so that whenever he wants to watch Sesame Street, very rarely does he even say, let's watch Sesame Street. He says, oh, Elmo, Elmo. He wants to watch Elmo. And, you know, Elmo is the go-to guy for him. Loves the way he looks. He loves the way he sounds. Yeah, Elmo's very happy to see you. And <laughs> so is Dorothy. Oh, say hello, Dorothy. Guess what Elmo is thinking about today? <laughs> well, clearly Elmo may be very successful as a children's entertainer and as a children's educator, but he may not make it as a caller to talk radio. That's because one of the things that drives so many talk show hosts crazy is the question, how are you doing? Now, it doesn't bother me when people ask me because... It's just a way of being polite. It, to me, it's not, you know, they're not expecting a sincere response. You know, it's just, you, they're just doing their thing. How are you doing? Okay. It's just, it's it's almost an extension of hello. So generally when someone asks you, how are you doing? You don't actually tell them how you're doing. So without this common piece of etiquette, we would be pinned in place for hours by coworkers, vague acquaintances, friends, spinning forever about exactly how they're doing. Well, Elmo made that mistake on Twitter this week. When Elmo posted a very kind-hearted check-in on Twitter... He may have assumed he'd be shielded by the same sort of social mores that I feel like I'm shielded by when I say to somebody, how are you doing? But he comes from Sesame Street, which is clearly no place for lies. So Elmo goes on Twitter this week and says, Elmo is just checking in. How is everybody doing? Fairly innocuous. Again, I want you to keep in mind, this is a character that's intended to educate three- and four-year-olds about the letters of the alphabet and the numbers. That's Elmo. Well, there were thousands of replies and a few interventions from his Sesame Street pals, 
And it was pretty clear people are not doing well. And it's not surprising because it looks like a lot of people are very tightly wound. But there's a war in Ukraine. There's all sorts of situations going on in the Middle East. There's all these mass shootings. There's a lot of young people dealing with things like anxiety and depression, not to mention uh, drug use. And the tenor of the responses to Elmo, who's about as lovable as you can be. <laughs> Welcome to Elmo's world. Oh, that's what Elmo is wondering about today. Wait, what? So the tenor of the responses to Elmo reflect a lot of people being upset. And some welcome this kind of dark humor in unburdening themselves to a puppet who is, I hate to break it to you, and I hope my son's not listening right now, fictional. He's fictional. And Elmo's question also led to some heartwarming conversations about emotional health and the importance of checking in with friends. But the responses to Elmo's innocuous innocuous question, again, the only thing he said was, how are you doing, really should be etched into stone so future generations can know exactly how we felt in 2024. One person writes to Elmo. Elmo, each day the abyss we stare into grows a unique horror. One that was previously unfathomable in nature, our inevitable doom, which once accelerated in years or months, now accelerates in hours, even minutes. However, I did have a good grapefruit earlier. Thank you for asking. Okay. Another person writes, Elmo, I'm depressed and broke. Another person writes, every morning I cannot wait to go back to sleep. Every Monday I cannot wait for Friday to come. Every single day and every single week for life. Another person writes, I'm at my lowest. Thanks for asking. Again, I, I just, I can't help but think people knew the kind of response that Elma was looking for. They knew where Elma was going. And they're just being a little bit difficult. Okay. And again, I'm not trying to say that anybody that's having a tough time shouldn't be open with the fact that they're having a tough time, but they're unburdening themselves to a Sesame Street character. I mean, really? The kind of issues that users were raising with Elmo, I think, are issues that you should raise with a close friend or a spouse or a family member or a therapist or a counselor, or someone that you trust. Not an anonymous, fictional puppet. It, it almost struck me as all the... And, and again, maybe it's shame on Elmo for turning to Twitter, which is not the best medium. And I've tried on social media, and on Twitter included. I've tried to have real conversations on social media, and inevitably you're disappointed. But maybe the fault is Elmo's for trying to turn to Twitter, a medium which is just 
so shallow and it's just so driven by these banal responses by saying, how are you doing? Maybe this is what he should have expected. One of the more brutally honest replies, Elmo, I'm going to be real. I'm at my effing limit. Elmo, I've got a level with you, baby. We are fighting for our lives. Guys, it's a puppet. It's a puppet. Chill out. He's not really asking how you're doing. Making small talk. And again, shame on Elmo, I guess, for turning to Twitter for this. But um, likely sensing the situation had equal chances of improving or dissolving in rapid order, other members of the Sesame Street gang chimed in, Big Bird, Cookie Monster, Snuffleupagus, and others, thanked Elmo for being a good friend and offered their own fuzzy listening ears to anyone who needs to talk. Wow, Elmo was glad he asked. (laughs) That's what Elmo posted two days later, employing the most rhetorically loaded wow imaginable. Elmo learned that it's important to ask a friend how they're doing. That's what he said. So he tried to uh, turn it into something positive. But there is a real issue behind the humor because clearly a lot of people aren't doing all right and they're waiting to tell anybody about this. Look, I see this... When I talk to people on the air, I mean, it's clear. A lot of the people that talk that call me on the radio here are not doing too well. But really, like, what's the point of telling Elmo how you're doing? How's that going to help? Maybe it does. I don't know. You want to weigh in, you certainly can. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is one of those things that... W- You know, it it could have been a joke. And because of the nature of the responses that this Elmo Twitter handle got, it it became really serious, honestly. And it became a cause uh, for, it became something for people to analyze and look within themselves and debate about. Comment as you like, 800-848-9222. Jay is in Cincinnati. Jay, I'm afraid to ask, but how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine, Frank. Wonderful. You you know, the whole Tickle Me Elmo thing is just creepy. My younger brother's the Sesame Street generation. I'm not of that generation. Well, Um, I mean, Sesame Street's been around for 50 years. Correct, it has, but I'm not. I'm not of that. See, I used to watch that with my younger brother. It was entertaining, the Sesame Street, thing right? To sure. Me, okay. Now we had an older guy in the neighborhood who used to. I'm, I'm older, okay. So he used to be friendly with the kids. He would come and he would grab your earlobe and rub your earlobe and just kind of hold it in his hand and rub it. Now, if if I were to tickle somebody's child today, or if I were to grab their earlobe, I'd have a real big problem on my hands. You know that as an adult. It's just creepy, the whole the whole Tickle Me Elmo thing. It's creepy. Right. I mean, nobody's suggesting that, you know, you do that as an adult. But I, I guess, you know, the thing even that... Even kids, even, even kids tickling each other. I mean, it's, there's a point where that's not even funny. You know, I was just at a car show, and there were these tuner guys with these uh, hot rod Japanese cars. And uh, one guy was tickling another guy, and he says, if you do that again, I'm going to knock your teeth out. And it's just, it's just not even funny tickling people. Right, but Jay, I mean, we're talking about a, a fictional red puppet here. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean... I mean it's just uh, weird. I mean, I'm, to me, I mean, I can only take so much of the Sesame Street stuff, really. 
You know, All right. It's, it's so, fun and games, you know, but it's it's weird. So be it, Jay. Thank you. Yeah, I, again, I you know I think I watched Sesame Street a little bit. I remember which one of these doesn't belong here. I used to like The Count. I liked uh, Big Bird, right? I mean, I, I enjoyed a lot of the Sesame Street characters. Or Kermit, when he was on Sesame Street, I don't see him that much anymore. I didn't think much of it. You know, it's a nice way to learn the numbers, nice way to, you know, to learn the, the letters. It's fine. It's kind of educational. It's kind of fun. But uh, my son likes it, right? So we watch it. We watch it together. And, and sometimes it's interesting. They have interesting, um, you know, adult celebrities from time to time. I, I get a kick out of it. They have fun songs. I, I like it. I never really thought about it. But it, uh, first of all, I don't follow Elmo on Twitter. But it, if I did... The last thing that I would ever do was would be to respond to him about anything. And yet, here are these folks saying exactly how they're doing when Elmo asks. Strikes me as very bizarre. Hey, uh, coming up in about 12 minutes, we're going to talk with uh, Debbie Schlussel. Debbie Schlussel is an attorney. She is a uh, conservative commentator and more, and uh, we're going to talk with her about movies. She's also a film critic, and uh, she'll give us her take on what's worth seeing and the Oscar nominations as well. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. 800-848-9222. Very interesting piece of legislation uh, coming out of Oklahoma. An Oklahoma state senator has proposed a law that would make watching pornography a felony and ban sexting among people who are not married. This bill, which is set to be introduced this month by state senator Dusty Devers, would prohibit consuming or producing sexual content that lacks serious literary, artistic, educational, political, or scientific purposes or value in any media. The measure defines obscene material as the depiction or description of any acts of sexual intercourse, including those that are normal or perverted, actual or simulated, Basically, this is a bill to ban sexting outside of marriage. I have to tell you, I think this is absurd. I think this is just crazy. For starters, I mean, it's amazing to me that it's a Republican that is uh, proposing this because so often we hear about Republicans being the party of less government and limited government. And to me... uh, Government should not be involved in what consensual adults are sending to one another, whether they're married or unmarried. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Crazy. People should be able to sex with whomever they want if they're consenting adults. You want to talk about children, that's a different thing. I find this bizarre. I find it to be totally unconstitutional. And I don't know where this guy... I don't know what the possible motivation of this is. So under the measure, pictures of human genitals or women's breasts would also be banned, as well as lewd exhibition of it would carry prison sentences of up to a year. A year. Really? Really? You send someone a sext and you're going to get a year in prison? And $2,000 fines. 
The proposal would also allow anyone who produces or promotes the allegedly untoward content to be sued by any state resident for $10,000. Really? This is so stupid. What's going on in Oklahoma? My goodness. Uh, There's a a fellow who is uh, the host of a show called Secular Talk by the name of Kyle Kalinske. Uh, He says that this is against the First Amendment. I agree with him. Obviously, this is against the Constitution. Like This is against the First Amendment. Obviously. Obviously. But he's pushing ahead anyway. Married couples would be exempted from the ban provided they only share explicit content they created together with each other. Oh, thank goodness. So if you're married in Oklahoma, you can continue to sext with your husband or wife. This is insane. This man is being paid by the public with your tax dollars if you're an Oklahoma resident. This is crazy. I don't want to live in a country where sexting gets you a year in prison. That's the kind of thing you expect in Iran. This is nuts. 800-848-9222. Haley is in Michigan. Hi, Haley. Yeah, hi. Yeah, I don't know. This um not on Twitter too much, but Elmo uh, <laughs> getting on there is kind of funny, but it is an adult thing, Twitter, right? It's not for little kids. So who is Elmo looking to appeal to? Who was, who was the audience on Twitter for Elmo or any of the other? The Big Bird or any of them. So I, the I, guess, I guess you're making the case that uh, children, you know, Elmo shouldn't be tweeting to begin with. Yeah, because, you know, the audience on Twitter is certainly not three-year-olds. Like you said, your son or whatever. Sesame Street, I've never watched it. It started when I was a kid. We never paid attention to it. But anyway, it, it is kind of funny, you know. Hey, you know what's really absurd, though, is that southern border. I, uh, that should be secure. Need to get the National Guard down there. Instead of having the National Guard overseas, they should be down at the border, uh, protecting I, protecting the border within. The three that died in Oman, for instance, I spent a lot of time in the Middle East, a lot of time over there. Uh, we've been knowing this, been brewing for a long, long time. Spent a lot of time in the Port of Aden, where the coal got blown up a year before in New York. Yeah, the at the rate we're going, Center, Haley, so. we may have to send Elmo down there. Uh, it, it's certainly a, a crazy situation. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Silas, what's on your mind? Yeah, um, is that a real story? Or yes, a, I wish I had made it up. It's insane. This man is an elected official in Oklahoma. This is crazy. That's just one more tool they'll use to get rid of people who they don't want. Throw them in jail. I mean, the, the, the Jan 6 thing, the global warming, and now pornography. You well, know? yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a Republican. Yeah, I don't think they're trying to throw uh, anybody in prison that is emitting greenhouse gas emissions, but your your point's well taken, Silas. 800-848-9222. Joe is in New Jersey. Hi, Joe. Yes, good evening, Frank. I'm uh, one year older than uh, Curtis Lewa. That's about 70-plus years. And uh, I was a great fan of Mr. Rogers. I actually uh, shed a tear when I heard him pass away uh, 10 years now. Anyhow, Sesame Street was a great learning tool. Uh, my mother, God rest her soul, she was so nervous about Y2K, the same way we have anxiety about the election mm-hmm. coming up. So 
she she passed away in '08, but uh, she you know she made it through '08. But boy, oh uh, oh, that was a big turning point in my life, of course. And uh, what well, Y2K everybody... for you? Sorry, Y2K was a big turning point for you. Uh, for my mother, and okay. I saw her anxiety. So I sure. I feel anxiety with this next election, and that's what half the people in America are probably poor and low income. I'm luckily retired, pension, social security, and I got food on the table every day and a roof over the head. But God bless you for uh, sharing all this, and I love you too, and this is a great show. Well, thanks, Joe. Appreciate that. 800-848-9222. Robert in Suffolk, what's on your mind? Hi, Frank. Uh, I believe people should just say hello or hi. I mean, this how you doing it. Yes, it's a more recent conventional colloquialism, a greeting of sorts. I don't think Elmo should be on Twitter. I mean, it's a way to get these kids onto Twitter and be exposed to all other kinds of stuff. Yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that. That's a point that the uh, the prior caller made. I guess that's true. I guess I think you're supposed to be 13 before you're you're on Twitter, and that's certainly you know once you're kind of 13, you're you're you've aged out of the target range for Sesame Street. So I get that, right? So who is Elmo really addressing? What audience is he really appealing to if he's uh, out there tweeting? I get that. Makes sense. Yeah. That kids for like five, four, six years old. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fair enough, Robert. Fair enough. I can't argue with that. I just do think it's still incredibly bizarre <laughs> that uh, this would be what people's responses to Elmo wants to know how you're doing. I would think the vast majority of people would say either fine or great. Thanks, Elmo, or nothing. You just keep scrolling. But I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. 800-848-9222. Debbie Schlussel joins us next to talk movies and more. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Bee Gees, 
one of the greatest musical groups of all time, singing How Deep Is Your Love, uh, birthday bumper music selection from Bridget Guzzi. Uh, someone who I have no doubt, because of her fine taste, is absolutely a fan of the Bee Gees, is also an outspoken conservative commentator, an attorney, a blogger, and uh, someone who is a very, very astute film critic as well. That is the one and only Debbie Schlussel, who is kind enough to join us regularly, including right now. Debbie, it's great to talk with you again. Thank you. Great to be back. And wow, quite an introduction. And of course, I love the Bee Gees. Of course, my two favorites are Stayin' Alive and Tragedy. <laughs> two great selections, but with the Bee Gees, there are no bad selections. Hey, uh, Debbie, since uh, since last we spoke, Ron DeSantis has dropped out of the presidential race. I know uh, he was your guy. You were the first person, even before he announced uh, on this program, touting him as a presidential candidate. Give me your thoughts on, um, on what went wrong with the DeSantis campaign and kind of how you view the presidential race now, both in the Republican primary and the general election. Well, you know, what went wrong? I think a lot of things, but the main thing is Trump. He was still in the race, and I think that at this point, he was getting, he was sucking all the oxygen in the room. He was getting so much attention. He was getting the backlash uh, factor with all of the prosecutions. I think a lot of people circled the wagons because of that around him. Um, and I just, he got all the attention. I also think a lot of the stuff I read about the DeSantis campaign is that they just didn't do a lot of the right things. For example, he had this campaign manager in New Hampshire that was putting together a puzzle, um, a thousand piece puzzle or something. And the people on the rest of the people on the staff were kind of puzzled as to why this guy was spending time doing puzzles instead of concentrating on the campaign. Hmm. And that's just one person. I don't, one person can sink a campaign, especially if they're at the top, but I don't think that was the main reason. I just think it will be and was impossible to be Trump. Now, remember that a year before with Trump still in the race, but not getting all this attention, not being prosecuted and so on, Ron DeSantis was at 51% in New Hampshire, and Trump was woefully behind, but he just couldn't be beaten this year, I think. So like you have said that you had voted for Trump previously, both in the uh, general election and in the primary. Right. These days, uh, you're you know a little frustrated with Trump for having dinner with anti-Semites and some of the wacky things that he's said. And uh, you've said that if it ends up being a, a Trump-Biden race, you're not going to vote for Biden, that you're going to probably go um, third party. Uh, well, you've been pretty critical from time to time of Nikki Haley as well. How do you view the Trump-Haley matchup, both in terms of your preference and how you handicap that race in general? You know, I don't trust her. I think she's a chameleon and a shapeshifter. She is whatever. She thinks people want her to be. She's been so all over the map. I remember when she was very anti-Trump when he was running the first time and was actually a great candidate, in my opinion. Um, and I was proud to vote for him. And then all of a sudden she did a 180 because she got appointed U.N. ambassador. Um, and then she was against him. And then she was she's been all over the place. She's not going to win. Trump is, is going to win. He's beating her everywhere. 
Um, and she's really just there, I think, to, for the uh, anti-Trump Republican vote and for some donors to feel good. But in the end, she's not going to get this. He's going to be the nominee. So I, I think it's really irrelevant anything she's doing right now, unfortunately. For me, um, I would consider voting for her. If she were the nominee, I, I would probably vote for her. She's not going to be. So it doesn't matter, even though I don't trust her or even really particularly like her. Um, I, I would vote for her. I didn't really like Trump the first time he ran or and thereafter. I, you don't have to like the person personally. You just have to like what you think they're going to do if they get elected or you have to like them better than the person they're running against. I think I'm probably just going to throw my vote away and vote libertarian. It all depends. We'll have to see. Um, what happens on election day, because, you know, it's still almost a year away. We'll see. Um, but I just, I'm very disappointed in a lot of things Trump did. Like I said, I was proud to vote for him three times in a primary and two generals, but I just, I don't know. And I think there are not enough people that don't want him who voted for him before that really don't think he's going to win. I mean, anything could happen between now and then. And I thought Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. could be the nominee and that didn't, that, that I was woefully wrong on that. So we'll see. So now Debbie, I, I am, you know, I vote for third party candidates all the time. So, you know, I wouldn't begrudge anybody making a protest vote, but a lot of people are listening to you right now who might be conservative and they're screaming at their radio. They're saying, uh-huh. all right, we know, we know Trump is whatever, whatever your version of, of being terrible is. We know he says crazy things. We know he does crazy things. We know he does outlandish things. But, you know, if the choice is of the two candidates that can win, Trump and Biden, a lot of the conservatives listening to us are going to say, all right, with Trump, you have a better chance of getting lower taxes. You have a better chance of not getting a lot of this woke stuff in the military. You have a better chance of getting, um, you know, strict constructionist judges and Supreme Court justices. And even though Trump may be a disaster in terms of the things that he says and who he has dinner with, in terms of policy, isn't the country better off uh, going with Trump than Biden? Address those folks. Talk to those folks that have that mentality. Why would you vote third party rather than vote for Trump when a lot of people, even those that don't like Trump, view those as the stakes in the upcoming election? Well, you know, you are right in all of those points. So I can't argue those points, and I wouldn't, but my problem is, I don't want to, there, at some point, there has to be something that is a bridge too far. There is some, it has to be something that is, is a deal breaker. And I overlooked a lot of things each time I voted for Trump. I can't overlook things anymore. I don't want Kanye West and Nick Fuentes invited to the White House. Uh, I am afraid people like that are going to be all over the White House. I don't want Alex Jones there. And Alex Jones, Trump hired him to host the January 6th rally. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about what happened in the Capitol later. I'm talking about he had him host his rally. And uh, Alex Jones at that point was saying that the Nazis that marched the Char- in Charlottesville were uh, were Jewish actors. I don't want anti-Semites all over the White House. I'm sorry. At this point, there is a bridge too far. I also don't know. To me, the Middle East and what's going on there is very important. And Trump is was running around saying stuff like that he thinks that Abbas 
the Palestinian Authority guy who was the paymaster of the Munich Olympic terrorists, that he is like a father figure and such a great guy that Israel doesn't want peace. They've had a chance. They had when he spoke with them, he's been he denounced Netanyahu. Um, he has not spoken out against what's going on over, you know, what happened on October 7th, except for on October 7th. And then after that, he's kind of been radio silent other than to attack Netanyahu in Israel. So I'm really concerned about that. I don't think anybody really knows what Trump is going to do in a second term or that he's going to do all those conservative things that, that you're saying, because Trump was a liberal. I didn't trust he was going to do anything for me. The first time I voted for him, I was pleasantly surprised he did a lot of great things. I don't know what he's going to do in a second term. I have no idea, and I don't trust that. I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm very worried. So I don't know what I'm going to do in November, but probably I cannot vote for a person that has dinner yeah. with Kanye and Fuentes and Alex Jones hosting his rallies. That that's a big problem for me. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Debbie Schlussel. She's been a uh, commentator on a lot of political issues for a long time. We also take advantage of her expertise and her opinions when it comes to uh, movies. Also been a, a terrific blogger. Debbie, it's been a while since you updated that blog. A lot of folks ask me whenever you come on, hey, how come Debbie's not updating her blog? What's the story? Yeah, you know, I have to get back to that. I've just been so busy with my law practice and going to movies and other stuff that I just something had to give. Mm. Um, but I and also I've just had a lot of tech issues with it and so on. I have to update it. And then once I do, I think I am going to get back to posting things, maybe not as regularly as I once did, but uh, hopefully with some regularity. But that's a good question. And thanks for asking. And I appreciate that people to go there, and at some point I will be back to things, God willing. All right, uh, let me ask you about the movies. Since last we spoke, the uh, Oscar nominations have come out. This is one of those years where there's ten Best Picture nominees. I've only seen uh, a handful, but you got The Holdovers nominated, American Fiction, The Zone of Interest, Barbie, Anatomy of a Fall, Past Lives, Poor Things, Oppenheimer, Maestro, and Killers of the Flower Moon. Of the ten nominees nominees for best pick for best picture debbie are there any that you've seen that you think are either must see or must miss so i really liked the holdovers i think it's deserving of all the awards it's won so far especially paul giamatti as the lead character in that movie he's a great actor you can never go wrong with him and i i think it's a great old-fashioned kind of a movie that kind of reminds me of a 70s version of Dead Poets Society. Um, it's very good. And the acting is very good. The 70s sets and, and everything else are very good. Movies must miss so many on that list. I hated Killers of a Flower Moon. First of all, it's over three hours long. It's ridiculously long for no reason. And basically the message is white people are evil and just <laughs> want to scam uh, American Indian, Native Americans. It, I, I hated the movie, um, and it's the reason it's getting all these awards and nominations is it's very woke, and that's the only reason. Um, it, it's not a great movie. It's actually long, slow, and boring. The story is not that outstanding. The acting is terrible. Robert De Niro, I do think, is a great actor when he plays the right roles. He's playing some uncle 
in the with a southern accent that goes in and out the entire time and so is and Leonardo DiCaprio is his nephew he also has that horrible accent that's going in and out uh, I did not like the movie at all and I you know it really does it's way overrated does not deserve any of this hype uh, I would say Oppenheimer is also way overrated um also way too long I like the parts where it showed how they were developing the nuclear weapons, those were far and few between. A lot of the movie is herky-jerky and goes backwards and forwards between different hearings that they have uh, in the movie to question Oppenheimer. And then also between his love interest to his mistress and his wife and the drama with that. Who cares? I didn't. And there, a lot of it is also hand-wringing about why did we develop the nuclear weapons and how evil we were to do that. No, thank God we did, because otherwise millions of people would have died that didn't because World War II was ended because of nuclear weapons. So thank God we did develop them. We don't need to be sorry or do repentance. Um, and it's just ridiculous. So I did not care for that movie either. Uh, there are quite a few on that list. Barbie, me, uh, Men Are Evil is the message of that. It was such a stupid movie, but way overrated because it's been built into some feminist, um, must-see, must-like thing, kind of like Taylor Swift. Um, I, you know, I just, I did not care for it at all. And if you never see the Barbie movie, you, your life will be just fine. You know, on Saturday night, my wife and I started watching Maestro. And, and you know, I keep odd hours, obviously. I fell asleep after about 15 <laughs> to 20 minutes. And, and I, I, I'm not sure, legitimately, I'm not sure if I fell asleep because I was tired and I was trying to go back to regular hours on the weekend or because the movie was boring. Did you see Maestro? And, and what was your take? Did I fall asleep because it was boring or because I was tired? Because it was boring. Mm. I think it was, it's another one that was way too long. It's over two hours long. It's pointless. Um, I love the style of it. It's highly stylized and the whole black and white stuff and everything. But what was the point to show that this um, conductor and composer was tortured because he was secretly gay um, and that his wife knew and could never have the relationship that she really wanted and resented it, even though she entered into this marriage knowing all of this. At, what was the point of that? There really was no point to me. Um, I just said in one minute what the movie was about. Why did it need to be over two hours? It was long, slow and boring. And I fell asleep repeatedly. I had to watch it in batches. It just wasn't an exciting movie. There was no plot to it. And it was just a long, slow, tortured mess. Yeah. Um, it, so of the nominees, it sounds like your favorite is The Holdovers, which I saw and I enjoyed immensely for many of the reasons that you decided. Were there any films that were not nominated that you thought were really were overlooked this year in terms of uh, something that people should check out, but not necessarily anything that was actually nominated? So, you know, I can't think of anything that I thought was like out outstanding and a masterpiece that probably should have been nominated. I did enjoy, it's not really the kind of stuff that would get nominated for an Oscar movie these days, but I did enjoy on Apple TV Plus the thriller Sharper, which I thought was very well mm. done. 
well acted and clever. Um, I did enjoy, but in a weird way, and it definitely shouldn't be an Oscar because I think it went way too far. But the idea of dream scenario, because it was interesting. It was like a Twilight Zone movie gone a little bit too far, but it was interesting. And Nicolas Cage was very good in it and very different away from what we normally see him in uh, for a kind of role. Um, I can't really think of anything else, you know, that stood out in my mind. I'd have to go look at the list. But I really did like The Holdovers as one of the best movies I saw uh, last year because because of just the story, the acting, everything that was done. And I did not have any reservations with it. Anything out more recently that uh, that you've seen and that you have an opinion on one way or another? So tomorrow, or I'm sorry, Friday, well, tomorrow night it's going to come out, or tonight, I guess, is Argyle, which is being very hyped. It actually comes, which I didn't know this until the end, from the Kingsman universe. I did like the movie The Kingsman, but this movie had a great idea, but it just became a mess because it had too many twists. It had one big twist, and then it had too many twists thereafter. And I felt like my head was spinning for no reason that was, uh, you know, worthy. So it's a movie about Bryce Dallas Howard playing this novelist who's lonely and lives out in the country. But she has this very popular spy novel, spy romance novel series called Argyle. And then she's riding in a train one day and she finds that these government spies are trying to get her because or different, there's different opposing government spies. One is trying to protect mm. her. He's played by Sam Rockwell, who is always very good. I like Sam Rockwell, and he was good in this movie, trying to protect her. And then there's a giant twist that I don't want to say because it'll spoil the movie. But then there's a million twists after, and it just gets to be stupid. So it, it was very interesting to a point, and then it just became dumb, like I would say about uh, halfway through until the end. So I would not pay to see this having seen it. Um, so there's that. Um, I, you know, I'm a big Jason Statham fan. I love almost everything he's in. And I say almost because I saw the beekeeper and it was to me out of keeping with what he normally does. Hmm. He normally only goes after the bad guys in this movie, Mrs. Cosby, Felicia Rashad, is a woman that rents him some property. She gets scammed by scammers to give away all of her money in her bank account so she commits suicide and he wants a revenge against the scammers. Great. But then he kills like tons of innocent people, including a lot of law enforcement and FBI agents in the process. I didn't like that. He just destroys everything. Um, so to me, it was pointless, not your typical Jason Statham movie. So the beekeeper was not the greatest for me um i gave you some other movies on the list um the zone of interest which is nominated for an academy award and just came out nationwide i thought was a very very cold movie it's about the commandant of auschwitz it's not a documentary it's a feature film and it's a very cold movie because you almost never hear what's going on in the camps you occasionally do you can hear noises you don't really see much of it um, and it's more about the ambition of this commandant and his family and how cold they are to what's going on right next door to them. But, of course, they're cold to it. They're Nazis. And he's the commandant <laughs> of some of the greatest 
uh, not great in terms of good, but largest scale murder of not just Jews, but many people who were murdered at Auschwitz, millions of people. And, you know, of course, they're not going to care about them. They're, they did not consider them human. To me, it was a very cold movie. I would prefer more of a meaningful movie like Defiance, where the Jews fought back. Sure. Or where, you know, you saw their humanity and uh, that was they were the Nazis were attempting to snuff out. Um, it was not for me, and I would not vote for it if I voted in the Academy Awards. It was also long, slow, and boring as well. Um, Le- Debbie, last question. You know, you, you talk about the uh, if you voted in the Academy Awards. One of the things that we've seen with all these award shows, the the Emmys, the Golden Globes, uh, I mean, uh, you know, you name it, is the audiences, the television audiences for all of these award shows has dwindled significantly over the years. It used to be that um, if you were going to the office on the Monday after the Oscars, everybody had seen the Oscars, and that was the thing that you knew everybody was talking about. These days, that's not the case, not at all. Uh, I'm curious, why do you think that's the case? Why has the audience for these award shows so dwindled? Well, I think it's a few reasons. Number one, in those days, there were only three channels. And everything on the other channels was probably a boring rerun you'd already seen going up against the Oscars. Number two, the uh, films that were nominated were popular films that everyone went to see. They weren't these obscure movies that are nominated, for the most part, only because they're woke or now they have these new Oscar rules that you can only be nominated for Best Picture if you have, um, you know, minorities playing significant roles or you have a woke message. That's ridiculous. They're not about what's really the best movie bar any other categorization. Um, and people want to see movies that they liked, that they want to see win. They have nothing to identify with here because they haven't seen any of these movies, including the holdovers. I think... Also, they're tired of hearing woke Hollywood. Hollywood is out of so out of touch with the rest of America. The only reason people watch it anymore is really to see the outfits. And so women are mostly watching mm. this. It's the Super Bowl for women. And that's why you see a lot of makeup ads and women's products and, and so on. Um, and I don't think people want to hear these kinds of woke messages that are in all these acceptance speeches. You know, in the 70s, when Vanessa Redgrave made a speech against Israel, right. and called the Zionist hoodlums. Yeah. Everyone was mad about that. And it's like the great, late, great Patty Chayefsky, who is a great Hollywood screenwriter and so on, he told her off. He had a speech and he said how her speech was unnecessary right, and he ridiculous. got cheered. These days, it would be right. the exact opposite. That's a, exactly. a, great, a great point. Hey, Debbie, we're going to have to end it there. I appreciate the time. Let's do this again soon. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Uh, 800-848-9222 if you want to comment on any portion of my discussion with Debbie Schlossel. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. Cause I'm in 
the hour this is the other side of midnight i'm frank moreno thanks for listening um you know it's funny (laughs) my son carmine you know he goes to school now preschool and um you know sometimes i'll pick him up most of the time my wife will pick him up and then when i see him when he comes back from school i'll ask him you know how was school and almost always he says good and i'll say almost every day what did you do in school and he says the same thing every day sing songs. Now, I can't dispute that, one, because I'm not there, and two, because I look at the kind of repertoire that his, you know, the the review that his teacher sends home with him where it says what they do, and usually there is some sort of song singing. But now, this little bugger is saying that for everything. So I took him to the library a day or two ago, and my wife asked him, oh, what did you and Daddy do at the library? And he said, sing songs. And I said, ah, we did not sing songs. There was no song singing. So yesterday, I took him to the bank with me. My wife asked him, what did you and daddy do at the bank? He says, sing songs. There was no song singing at the bank. Especially not, you know, me being negative $32. Not a song to be sung. I don't know what's up with this kid. We'll see. Keep asking questions. 